Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up early today with Farhad Amazov, CEO of Millennial Lithium. We talk about achievements in 2020, plans for 2021, including financing and the pilot plant. If you want our thoughts on the conversation, it's plans for next year and the, the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Where you can also find detailed company reports. There's analysis from individuals from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. There are summaries of other interviews that we've done just to save you a little bit of time. There are training videos to help you with your analysis, analysis and diligence. And of course, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe environment. So go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Farhad, how are you doing, sir? Good, good, Matt. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. You, you coping? You're getting excited for this holiday period we're about to enter into? Yeah, yeah. As much as we can. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, an interesting year, to say the least. But yes, for sure, we're getting uh, excited. Tell me about it. Both about the about break it. and the next year. Good. Okay. Well, that's why we wanted to kind of catch up with you. You know, talk about this year review of 2020 and looking forward to 2021. Uh, before we do that, give, give everyone who's new to this story that one minute overview of what your business is first, though. Of course, Matt. So, uh, Millennial Lithium is a uh, lithium brine developer. Uh, we have a project in uh, Salta Province of Argentina. And at this point, we're one of the most advanced uh, lithium brine projects in that part of the world with the feasibility study completed with uh, environmental permits in place. And we're also um, uh, running our pilot operations right now as we speak. Um, the company itself is listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange uh, Venture. Uh, but, um, you know, we, we trade obviously both in Toronto and also we trade um, in Europe. We trade in Germany quite a bit. Um, but at this point, um, you know, you know, I can obviously talk about what we've done in 2020, and then perhaps Matt will we'll chat a little bit about our plans going forward. And there have been quite a Perfect. few interesting developments in the industry as well. Well, well let's, let's start with that, actually, just going to set the scene in terms of the macro. Obviously, I think Lithium's uh, profile has picked up in the last three, four months. People are starting to notice it, especially after the you know, Piedmont deal with with um, uh, Tesla, et cetera. So I think people are, are looking at it. So what, what's, your, what's your take on it? Because I look at your share price, you've doubled in the last month. I mean, fantastic. People are paying attention to you. You're significantly, significantly advanced, so I suppose they should do. But um, your view on the macro? Yeah, man, look, I mean, quite a few things have changed. I mean, first of all, I think the decline of lithium price itself has probably come to an end, hopefully. Um, and we've seen some, some stability in that respect. So the price now is about $6,700 per ton, um, maybe around 7,000, depending on the market. Um, so much better than what we've witnessed in the last, what is it, 12, 18 months. So that, that's, I think, a major, I would say, uh, new event or major milestone, so to speak. Um, in terms of fundamentals, we've reached a point where <clears throat> a lot of hard rock producers are um, hurting quite a bit because of this lower uh, lithium price. So they quite, a, quite a bit of production has been curtailed or has been put on uh, back uh, burner or perhaps even canceled altogether. A lot of new development projects have been either canceled or rescheduled or delayed. Uh, so all of these, I think, factors have contributed to uh, more stability in the price. Um, demand has been the same. Um, and I'll come to the demand uh, in a second, but just sticking with the, maybe uh, with the supply side of the story, um, we've seen quite a few interesting stories in the last, I would say, a few weeks. Um, you mentioned Tesla's offtake with uh, 
uh, with an American developer, of course, and, but also um, there's been an interesting development in your own home home country in Australia with uh, with the sale of Tanchi's shares to IGO. Um, major development um, <clears throat> because Tanchi obviously has been under quite a bit of financial pressure because of their investment in SQM, which was leveraged. So they had to do something to uh, you know bring some stability to their balance sheet. So they had to do this thing. But it also tells us that there, there is a renewed interest in the sector from other major players, <clears throat> both mining players and, of course, uh, players within you know wider battery chain itself. And that's very positive. And we've seen that, you know, in addition to these uh, kind of entries into uh, or new entrants into the market or into the sector, um, the supply in general has been constrained. Um, if you look at South America, um, major producers there, Albemarle and SQM, for example, they've announced obviously large expansions, but now they've calibrated or moderated their plans. So we can see that, they, you know, they're not going to jump from 60,000 tons of production per year to, uh, you know, 180, it's going to go to 71st and then uh, eventually is going to go to 120. I'm talking about SQM right now. And with Albemarle, they're still struggling with certain um, uh, challenges in, in South America and Chile. Um, they've also um, uh, you know, canceled or actually delayed some of their projects in, in Australia as well. So I think this is all very positive. Now, in terms of supply, um, the excess supply, I should say, that is in the market, that is also being absorbed as we speak, as the markets open up worldwide. Um, again, as I, as I think I told the last time, I don't believe that's going to be gone completely until probably the middle of next year, maybe even the, the second half of the next year. Um, but the process has already started. If you look at the numbers, um, <clears throat> there's a lot more uh, sales of, um, of, of EVs now worldwide as well, you know, the, you know led by China, but also um, the pretty good sales uh, in, in Western Europe. Um, and um, we see a lot more also effort on the part of the industry players to, um, to affect or to lobby governments worldwide. Now, again, if you look at, for example, uh, UK, um, you, know, you know that there are already plans to go completely you know, EV, 100% EV, I should say, by 2030. Um, now, in the U.S., uh, there's been an industry effort. They, they set up an organization called Zeta, I think the Zero Emission um, Trading Association, something of that, that, that sort of transportation association. And major players from within the industry chain, you know, including Tesla, Albemarle, et cetera, they're all part of that effort or that initiative. And the idea is to lobby the U.S. government to make sure they also go 100 percent EV by 2035, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the similar efforts are taking place at state levels as well in California and some other U.S. states. So I think eventually, obviously, we'll see the results of this. We'll see the impact of all these efforts. Um, in China, specifically, uh, the, 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 uh, the demand for cars for EVs has gone up. Uh, the sales have gone up uh, over 100%. Um, and if you see, if you look at the situation in Western Europe, it's quite a similar picture. So, um, so I think the demand picture is coming back to normal. Um, you know, normal obviously is a very relative term in this uh, situation with COVID uh, lockdown, the COVID uh, restrictions and shutdowns. But we think that next year we'll see a lot better um, environment in EVs. And again, even at the uh, limited data that we get from car sales in general, we see that EVs are doing much better. And if you look at the deployment of lithium-ion batteries in general, not only in electric vehicles, but you know, in other applications, 
they're up dramatically. They're up uh, by almost 25% worldwide, uh, led by Europe, which is up by over 100%. So these are all very positive signs. And I think that's the result of all these, I would say, all, all the, the confluence of all these factors led to a spike, uh, spike in some stock prices, specifically in development uh, lithium companies, as well as producers too. I mean, obviously producers are much larger companies, so they didn't see, you know, uh, 80, 100% you know, increase in their stock prices, but the companies like Millennial have seen that and some other companies as well. So I think that's all part of it. But at the same time, is if you pay attention to uh, to the details of all these companies, if you really look at the structure at the stage of development, you will see that actually these were the companies, the, the companies that have um, grown most or have gone up um, most were the companies that were most advanced. The, the companies that were either already at a stage where they're ready to go into pre-construction stage or the companies that have already started construction um, one or another at a, at a stage where they have a much better uh, chance of getting into production eventually. Um, it wasn't really, um, you know, the, I would say smaller or less developed uh, you know, or burgeoning lithium companies that have seen their stock price uh, rise in the last couple of months. Yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting environment. I think with with COVID, it's been an enabler actually because you've seen a lot of governments bring forward uh, timelines for zero carbon emissions. They've they've brought forward the um, you know carbon credits uh, type initiatives. Um, so it, it's been an interesting environment for sure for all the kind of battery metals and not not least of all lithium, obviously. Now you, you've mentioned obviously that you get a higher leverage with some of the uh, juniors, the earlier stage people, but you also. You don't necessarily always get the certainty around will will they get into production there. You are positioning yourself as the most advanced lithium near-term producer globally, I believe. Certainly when we've talked in the past, how are things going? And in the context of what's been happening in 2020, the the two outstanding factors uh, for for me um, were obviously the pilot plants and obviously getting that commission, which has happened now, and two conversations around financing. What can you tell us? Yeah, so Matt, uh, maybe we'll start with uh, kind, of a, kind of an overview of what we've done in 2020 since we're approaching the Christmas season and it's important to kind of go over all of those achievements and milestones uh, we've attained throughout the year. Look, uh, in the first quarter, uh, we, we did a major thing. We basically consolidated our land position in, um, in Pastos Grande Solari in Salta. And, you know, the seeds of this consolidation obviously were sown much earlier, about 18 months before that. We had um, uh, won a tender um, with the government of Salta, uh, whereas, you know, we had committed to a certain um, uh, work program as well as payments to the government, et cetera. So we had completed all that uh, before we actually managed to transfer four titles uh, to Millennial, uh, thus consolidating our foothold in this area now where the largest operator um, in Pastos Grandes. And that is very important because, as you know, we're dealing with brines. Uh, so sometimes there are questions as to how you're going to allocate brines, how you're going to actually manage uh, multiple operators in one solar. Uh, so it was very important for us um, two years ago, obviously very critical now, to consolidate and to actually have a dominant position in the solar, which we achieved, as I said, in the first quarter of this year. And then last year we had um, uh, applied for the approval of our environmental impact assessment report uh, before obviously we got the approval this, uh, this year. Uh, this was this summer. That was a major milestone, not only because of the, the importance of environmental permits, but also because it was in the middle of COVID. And uh, as uh, you obviously know this, but as some of our 
viewers uh, might have heard or might have read, Argentina got hit by COVID uh, really hard, and uh, they, 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 they're doing better now, but still they're struggling. Um, so despite all of these difficulties, the province of Salta, the provincial government actually, which was also a new government, um, in other words, it, it, it was not the same officials who were dealing with this um, you know, portfolio, with this file, uh, beforehand, I mean, they, they got elected late last year, so they got into the office and they started uh, the process. They, they they caught up with the entire review process pretty quickly. And despite, as I said, all this all of these COVID complications, they still approved it and issued the approval to us uh, this summer, um, which was another very important milestone on on our development um, timeline. So. Those were two major things before we actually decided to commission the, uh, the pilot plan early this fall. And that's also very important, Matt, because uh, what we're trying to do there is to basically, A, prove obviously that the whole process works, that we can actually produce uh, lithium carbonate of battery grade using this flow sheet that we have uh, shown in the, uh, in the feasibility study. Again, this is what we call traditional approach uh, to, uh, to both extraction and of course processing of lithium carbonate using evaporation ponds. And, but also that will allow us to actually to get this product qualified by third parties, meaning um, sending this to off-takers or potential off-takers as well as to actually a third party, which is basically a research institute that will um, you know, do the analysis on, on, the, on our brine, uh, on our product, I should say, and qualified as battery grade material. So that's very important for us because that will also determine the, the route that we will take in terms of uh, selection of our off-taker and of course, financing and so forth. So all of this has been happening this year. Again, despite all of these issues, we have a few advantages that some other companies uh, do not have. That is, although we're a development company and a lot of development companies flying and out their people, special technical personnel to run their business, run their project. In our case, almost all of our key uh, technical guys actually reside in Salta province and Salta city. So it was much easier for us to continue our operations without any major disruption um, and even without any disruption of uh, supplies. So that was very important. That allowed us actually to operate throughout the year, despite as again, the COVID issues. Um, now going forward, obviously we, uh, we have significant work ahead of us, Matt. And, uh, and that is primarily uh, financing. Um, you know, the plan right now on the technical side is basically um, finish the first stage of these um, uh, of these operations, meaning actually produce the first batch of lithium carbonate of battery grade in the first quarter of next year. And then it, the entire process works uh, seamlessly. Then we basically ramp it up to three tons per month. Again, that's the um, uh, nameplate capacity of the plant. And uh, we will keep obviously operating uh, that plant regardless of our production plans going forward, because it's not just a pilot plant, it's also a training plant. So we'll use it for uh, various, um, uh, for various reasons, for various purposes there. Um, now on the financing side, um, you know, the, the, the focus has been basically trying to bring in uh, capital from two major uh, sources. Uh, one is from strategics, strategics meaning these are large industrial players from both within the uh, battery chain and outside, and also uh, bringing in an off-taker or a couple of off-takers. Um, yeah, again, for our viewers, just to remind our plan is to produce 24,000 tons of battery material lithium carbonate and um, battery grade lithium carbonate. And uh, we want to have at least a couple of off-takers there um, for uh, diversification, obviously for uh, risk mitigation purposes. 
And also uh, because, uh, you know, at least the current off-takers, uh, potential off-takers we're talking to, they can also bring substantial capital to the table. And that's very important for us, obviously, because we're at the stage where we are putting together, cobbling together financing uh, package so that we can actually uh, start construction next year as soon as possible. So right now, um, we're quite advanced, actually, with both, uh, I would say, strategic side of it, strategic financiers and with off-takers. And obviously, they go hand in hand, Matt. Um, um, we're probably more advanced with off-takers. We're ready to sign all the agreements, et cetera. But at the same time, want to make sure that we understand who exactly is coming in on the strategic side and because they have to obviously feel comfortable with, with off-take agreement that we're going to be signing. That's one. Secondly, depending on what kind of strategic financier we use or, uh, or partner we use, they may or may not need an off-taker or an off-take agreement in general, because they may end up being actual an end user. So they may want to take the entire production themselves. So that's why it's kind of a chicken or egg situation, but at the same time, we're fully cognizant of the fact that we have to keep pushing both of these initiatives forward on parallel tracks simultaneously. Um, so the plan is still the same as we discussed last time, by the, you know, the, basically the first quarter of this year, we're going to have clarity on the strategic partner or strategic financier, and that will determine two things. One, you know, whether we need an off-take or not. And obviously we do then, you know, the, the terms, whether the terms that we've negotiated so far are acceptable to this new party. Um, and the second thing is um, uh, what kind of technology or what kind of technical approach we're gonna be employing um, going forward. Because right now we've been using <clears throat> evaporation uh, pond route, and that's what we've been using so far in, in terms of our pilot operations. That's what the feasibility study is based on. And uh, one of these parties that we've been talking to is actually keen on that particular methodology uh, with a little bit of an adjustment. They, they, they have um, a little bit better approach, perhaps more, more efficient approach at the processing plant level so that there could be some addition there or some change there. N not significant, but uh, significant enough to make an impact um, especially on the optimization side of, the, of certain components. Um, but if we go with a potentially different strategic partner, um, they have a little bit, you know, not a bit, quite different approach to this altogether. They want to use some type of direct extraction technology and so forth. Um, it has its own obvious pros and cons. Um, uh, you know, as, as I said, we're quite comfortable with the evaporation route. Yes, it has its own kinks to be ironed out uh, during the process, during the pilot operations, but at the same time, it's a well-known process. So we're kind of facing an interesting um, uh, challenge here, Matt, that it's not just a financing that we're trying to put together, but it's also technological approach or, or technology that is attached to this financing package that will come inevitably with, uh, with, with the selection of this or, uh, or the other partner. Right. So thanks for that. And um, key one, you're producing battery-grade um, lithium carbonate. To what give to your partners? I mean, they've obviously done some testing, but it, is it under sort of lab conditions or is it theoretical based on the flow sheet? I mean, how advanced are the, is their testing? Yeah, the, the interesting lab. This is not really for strategic partners, Matt. The the, the pilot operations that we've been conducting, and obviously the the, the processing plan that we just commissioned, it's primarily for off takers and okay. uh, for uh, for a third party qualification. This is just. For sale, if, again, if uh, you know, we go forward, we want to make sure that the, the design that we put together um, uh, works without any issues. Um, the strategic partners um, already have their own um, uh, pilot operation or pilot plans in their respective countries. 
So they've received our uh, brines and they've run it through it and it actually works pretty well with their approach. Okay, so you've got, but you've got two different um, approaches. One was a slightly more conventional with a maybe a, a, a more optimized end processing, but the, the DLA, the direct lithium extraction component, that, that's, I mean, it's fairly early days across the board in that. Would that delay things if you went for them? And they'd have to present a much better offer, presumably. Look, I mean, on paper, it looks uh, a lot more attractive. Um, I'm not talking about financial side of it. I'm talking from a purely technical perspective because you don't need evaporation ponds. So uh, theoretically, obviously, you know, you don't have to spend time, not only uh, time and money, not only building evaporation ponds, but most importantly, you don't have to wait for 18 months for the evaporation to actually take place so that you can, um, you know, cook your, bake your um, you know, lithium to a certain grade, so to speak. So you basically forego all of that. And you literally, you know, as the name implies, you start, you know, pumping your brine through this plant, right? Um, however, as you also uh, rightly noted, uh, you know, there are quite a few competing or similar, I would say, extraction or direct extraction technologies out there, and none of them have been proven at a large scale. So uh, this one has been proven on a, on a decent scale, I would say, not again on a large scale, not producing, you know, thousands of uh, tons of lithium, but on a decent scale, I would say, on, on a reasonable scale. So we feel a little bit more comfortable with it. Having said that, it's still not as proven as the evaporation approach. So we, we obviously have, we have our own questions. So coming back to a question as to whether this would delay things, I think it will delay things for sure, because it will be um, you know, very, uh, very disingenuous on my part to say that if we go with that, you know, our timeline will remain the same. Most likely it will not because we'll probably need to build a much larger pilot plant just for that, run it through it just to make sure that it actually works um, on site and everything else. Um, and, and then probably do even, you know, quick feasibility stuff just based on that. And so it will change the profile of the project quite a bit. So obviously that raised a lot of questions for, for, for myself personally, and of course for the board. So that's why we, technically speaking, we feel much more comfortable with, uh, with evaporation approach again, with certain optimization elements added to it. Um, so at this stage, you know, the financing structure offered by the other party has to be superior, like far superior um, for us <laughs> to actually go with that because we know that there will be inevitable delays on that path. The, the, there's delays and, and, and technical risks and yeah. you know, may jeopardize things. So yeah, yeah, I can understand the conundrum there. Um, for you, um, especially when you talk the language of an FID at some point in 2021, ideally. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's a point, Matt. I mean, we we really want to stick with our original timelines, which is basically um, you know wrap up the strategic finance year by you know by the end of the first quarter, um, get offtake done if that's what is needed at that point, and then uh, start construction right away, meaning the second quarter of next year. And that will put us in production uh, in the second half of 2023. Uh, so that's our plan. If we go with the, a little bit different or a dramatically different technical approach, um, that will obviously lead to uh, significant uh, changes to our timelines. So it's nice to have competitive tension, but you've got to yes. risk assess it. In the end, you know, we're talking about probably uh, in terms of timelines, timetable of uh, you know the difference of about six to eight months. But if we can, as I said, if we can get a fantastic offer um, on, on that new approach, then of course we'll, 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 we might opt for that. Okay, so you've you pretty much laid out for us there 2021, your objectives. 
So that that's well understood. Um, you've you've got you're capitalised to do that, aren't you? Yeah, we're in a very good shape, Matt. I mean, we got about uh, six and a half million dollars in the bank. So our um, cash burn has come down dramatically in the last few months, uh, primarily because we finished all the programs. So the only thing that we're running is a pilot operations. It doesn't take a lot of money to do that. It's roughly uh, about a hundred grand a month, uh, you know, to, to run the the the, the, uh, the plant. And overall cash burn, annual cash burn is about $5 million a year. So um, on on the current treasury, we can probably run this company for three years without actually going back to the market, trying to raise any capital. Um, so I think in that regard, we're in a very strong position. Um, so all our focus has been on not um, you know raising any short-term capital, so to speak, but really construction funding or what, whatever funding, whatever financing that we might raise that will all be earmarked for construction. Fantastic. Well, look, sounds like you've had a, a good year. Sounds like some uh, big moments, some big decisions to be made by you, Q1, Q2 next year. So, look, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Um, very keen in this environment to see uh, how, how you do. Yeah, yeah, Matt, thanks. I, I think uh, it's been a very good year, despite all the challenges that we all faced, regardless of what industry we're in. Uh, but 2021 will be a critical year for us. And I think... Um, it's actually a good time for us also to make that decision because I think we also turn the corner in the industry. So uh, we think the first uh, first half of the next year will be uh, very important for us and hopefully we'll come up with very good news for our shareholders as well. Beautiful. Farhad, thanks very much. Have a wonderful Christmas. We'll speak to you in the new year. You too, Matt. Thank you very much. Good seeing you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.